Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Are you ready to go into the Word? Come on, that's good. Well, one of the wonderful things I love about Jesus is Jesus taught in parables, didn't he? That was your cue to say yes. So Jesus, Jesus taught in parables, and he, he took complex things where the scribes and the Pharisees would teach the people of Israel, the Jewish people, and uh, a lot of people didn't have a clue what they're talking about. But Jesus taught, and people recognized that he had authority. There was something about Jesus where he taught that people understood. And I love it. You hear about, uh, who's heard of a mission statement or a vision statement before? Who's been involved in the process of developing one? Who enjoyed the process? Who's forgotten their mission statement? Because I'll give you an example of some. Coca-Cola. When I think of Coca-Cola, I think of a big red lorry at Christmas time or from the, the 70s where... I like to teach the world. And see, you, you've all been indoctrinated into Coca-Cola, and you all drink it. But that adverb, but listen to the mission statement that I'm pretty sure I'm going to ask our hands at the end of this. Our mission is to refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness through our brands and actions, to create value and make a difference. Who remembers Coca-Cola's mission and value statement? Nobody. Who remembers the Red Lorry? Who remembers the new Seekers song? I like to teach. Me, I remember it. So uh, here's another one. Who's heard of Barnes & Noble, the biggest bookstore on the planet from the United States? Who's heard of Barnes & Noble? They're huge in America, and you can buy their stuff online in different parts of the earth. Barnes & Noble, the bookstore. Reading made simple. No, it's not that. Listen to this. To operate the best omni-channel, speciality retail business in America, helping both our customers and booksellers reach their aspirations while being a credit to the communities we serve. Hands up if you need an interpreter to understand their mission statement. Slightly complex, but I'm sure when they were going, they spent half a million dollars on developing it, I'm sure it felt good. I like to teach the world. Just, so, listen to this one. Our vision is to create a better everyday life for many people. Guess who's that is? Ikea. Somebody, you knew it. You knew it. Were you on the mission values and development of their mission statement? You worked there. So you've been indoctrinated into eating meatballs every day for lunch and stuff. Eh? Hugging trees. Congratulations. That's good. So, so he gets the vision. He worked for the company. So he understood it, but, but here's the thing. One of the things, here's, here's a brilliant one. Salvation Army, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. That's a good one, isn't it? Shaboom. I like that. Listen to Jesus. When, when the teachers, Matthew 22, Jesus makes it easy to remember because the, um, the, the Pharisees and people asked them, which is the greatest? It was a trick question. What's the most, how many meatballs you get on a plate in Ikea? No. They asked him, 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I love that. Jesus makes it simple. He takes the ten, he concentrates it down, and turns it into two, and basically it's love God and love your neighbor. Don't you love that? So simple, peoples. And that's, that's the wonder of the teachings of Jesus Christ. He takes something that would appear incredibly complex, but takes it and make it easy to, not just understand, but easy to, to nibble on, digest, and, and, and memorable in our minds. And that's the glory of the gospel. So I love when Jesus teaches. It's an incredible thing. But the last few weeks we've had various preachers. Just, just before then, I was teaching from Matthew chapter 4 in the Gospels, and, and in that we, we read about where Jesus is, is baptized, and then he's tempted by the devil for 40 days. Then it says, you know, he overcomes the enemy, he overcomes the temptations thrown at him. Then he goes on to ask people to repent, and uh, he then calls four fishermen who will be his disciples. He doesn't, he doesn't go up to Jerusalem for all the Sanhedrin and say, right guys, who's the best amongst you? Who's the brightest button in the room? He goes to four fishermen, rough guys, and he said, you're called, and to become one, four of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. That is powerful. So, at the end, <clears throat> the end of Matthew chapter 4, we hear about Jesus being a healer, and Jesus heals lots of sick people, and amazing miracles take place, and it's wonderful to read about that. But then, we go on to uh, Matthew chapter 5, where we realize that he's about to teach his people. He's about to teach his disciples. So there's two people, two, sorry, two groups there. One is his core, his 12 apostles. The next group is the crowd. So he has a, a mixed bunch there. On Friday night, I was up Glen Dollar. Has MD ever been at Dollar Glen? Is it Glen Dollar or Glen? Yeah, some of the guys are there because they're there Friday night. So uh, we did a men's event there, and it was really cool. And we sat on the side of the hill, and Ross Ingalls did a teaching, and it was like Matthew chapter 5 on the side of a hill, and he talked about the castle where John Knox visited it and stuff. We were like, that's really awesome. We thought it was just a banner of a wee castle that was in a ruin, but he told us all the history about it. Then we took communion together, and when Jesus was present, something wonderful takes place, and we prayed together for our nation, so it was incredible. So I get the whole thing of sitting on the side of a hill now, listening to somebody teach. <clears throat> So, but when we go to Matthew, back to Matthew 4.23, it's a summary statement of Jesus' early, early ministry, and it says, he went through all Galilee, number one, teaching. Somebody say teaching. He did some teaching in the synagogues, and he went proclaiming. Somebody say proclaiming. Proclaiming the gospel, the kingdom, and number three, somebody say healing. Healing, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, one of the things that happens with us uh, charismaniacs, I mean, uh, charismatic people, is that we tend to focus on the miracles. Hands up here who loves miracles. I've experienced healing in my body, so I know what it is to receive a miracle. So I love miracles. But have you ever seen miracle chasers, people that go to different parts of the world to get healed 
or find the latest move of God or the outpouring of the Spirit or this thing or that thing. And it's like, well, Jesus said the kingdom is within, within you. And the, the Spirit of God wells up within us. So as the Holy Spirit wells up within us, we have Him within us. So we don't need to go chasing. We just need to go pursuing Him who already dwelleth within us. Did you like the New King James language there? Thank you. So that's the key, is that Jesus not only did miracles, proclaimed the kingdom, He also taught as well. And it's important that we understand the teachings of Jesus as well. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountains. When he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And here is the first one. This is, this, this is amazing because this is um, Jesus' teaching here. <clears throat> and one of the hardest things is when you go from original translations, when you go from Hebrew to Greek, to Aramaic, then into English, then you've got all the cultures that we've digested in this country, or the countries that you come from. We've got all these cultures and concepts that are associated with words. So as, we, as soon as we hear a word, our subconscious kicks in, and, and we begin to hear something that, that perhaps is not in the text. When you hear, blessed are the poor in, in, in spirit, Often we hear, when you hear the word blessed, when you hear blessings and blessed, often you think of, you know, uh, I, there's some Americans in our audience here this morning, but sometimes you think of an American preacher that's on certain Christian TV channels who'll say, if you give me a thousand dollars, there's a thousand people the Lord's telling me he's going to give me a thousand dollars today, and you know, you just need to get your recalculator out and you think, this guy's going to be a millionaire by the end of his 30-minute broadcast. And you think, what the heck is he doing? So you see abuses of the word of blessedness. And blessedness is often associated with cash or things. So it's often the material things that we have. So the word blessedness in pe people's ears, when they hear the word blessed or blessings, they associate it with materialism. They associate it with things. And sometimes the word blessed is distorted in our little brains because we, we associate it with, with something that's different, different from what the text is saying. The word, the word poor, often, often we think of the word poor, we, we just think of poverty. And we, and we think, man, some people aren't going to get out of poverty. How can they get out of poverty? How can we help people who are starving in other nations? And how, how can we do that? We, we think of poverty in, in, in these ways, but Jesus is teaching to his disciples here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, of, of heaven. And the, the word blessedness or, or happiness or contentment, it means it doesn't mean that you're surrounded by all these incredible material things. It doesn't mean that you have the most incredible wife or husband. It doesn't mean you have the most incredible children. It doesn't mean these things. It means blessed state of contentment with Him. That's what it means. So the word blessed or happiness is, is an incredible thing. So And the word poor, it means beaten to the ground or, or, or destitute. And it, and it says poor in spirit. And Jesus, when he preached, he preached, yes, he preached to the intellect, but yes, he preached to the spirit of man and woman. He preached to the spirit. He preached to the spiritual man. He preached to the spiritual woman. 
And every time you open the Word of God, the Word ministers, yes, to the intellect, yes, to the seat of the whole soul and the heart, but yes, also to our spirit. And we need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying through the teachings of Jesus. I love it when Jesus sat down and sat on the side of a mountain. It wasn't in a synagogue and it wasn't in a church building like this, but it was out on the streets. I love it. I know the climate in the Mediterranean maybe lends itself a bit more than the UK, but I just love that thing. So, blessed are those who are destitute of self. Blessed are those who have emptied themselves of self, and the only one they can cling on to is God Himself. Often we think of the blessings as material things, but that state of blessedness is being blessed in that union with Christ, with God. So when Christ was preaching, He was preaching to His core, to His core disciples, His group of 12 men, but also He was preaching to the crowd. And many of, these, many of the crowd would have been seated with these words, thinking, what the heck is going on here? But it says at the end of Matthew 5, 6, 7, at the end of the Beatitudes and all he's teaching, it says that they were amazed at what he said, and they recognized that Christ had more authority than the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. They recognized they had an authority to teach and, and bring a change. And that's the key thing. When, when, when we read the Word, when we read the Scripture, it has to be spirit to spirit. Yes, the intellect has changed. Yes, the heart has changed. Yes, our guts are changed. But something takes place in the spirit where there's, 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 there's a revelation of who Jesus is and what He wants for us. One of the things is that we, we, we live in a, in a culture where we over-importantize ourselves. You know, I'm at the center of my universe. I am the captain of my ship. All, all these kind of terms, these motivational things that you hear. And, you know, really what Jesus was, was preaching was our spiritual bankruptcy. In other words, every option has run out apart from Christ. We've tried everything, it's not worked. We've tried this, and it's not worked. We've tried this investment scheme, it's not worked. We've tried this self-help book, and it's not worked. But our spiritual bankruptcy comes when we know who we are before Him, that that sense of self-importance diminishes, and we're emptied of that. Listen up, saints. For some of you, it's taken decades to get to that place. For some of you, you caught it the first time you read that sermon by Jesus, and you're like, Lord, I'm empty. Fill me up. But for many of us, it's a process. When, when you read about the dealings, when you read about the dealings of God, it's incredible. When you go through the, the First Testament or the Old Testament, as we call it as Christians, and you go through the New Testament, again, as we call it as Christians, the, 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 there's men and women of faith who had to be emptied of themselves, and that sense of self had to go, and, and they were emptied of everything of, that they thought was self-important, and the only thing they had to lean on was Him. I'm preaching to somebody, and I don't mind if I'm not preaching to a couple of hundred, I'm only preaching to one, but this is key word, emptied of thyself. So, you, you, you're not filled with yourself anymore, but you're filled up with the Lord. Abraham, in dealing with the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah, um, he said, I am but dust and ashes. 
when God had called him to speak, he said, God, I am but dust and ashes. He felt so unworthy. He felt like that there was nothing in him that was of use that even he could use. He just felt empty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, Abraham felt empty. Jacob, when Jacob returned to the promised land after spending 20 years in exile, he wrestled with God in prayer. And he said, I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love, of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. He didn't feel worthy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Moses, when God came to him with a mission to lead his people out of Israel, he said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Oh, my God, I am not eloquent. He, he, he realized, he just said, I can't speak, God. And he was broken, but he, he poured himself out. He said, God, I'm, I'm broken. The only thing that God had to correct within Moses was his, was his lack of faith. He, 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 he just said, I can't talk. I'm not eloquent. I can't say these things. He'd been brought up in, under Pharaoh's courts, but he just lacked, he felt he lacked the, 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 the eloquency. So Moses, Moses was somebody who knew what it was to be, to, to, to be blessed. He knew what it was because he was broken and contrite. He was, he, he was poor in spirit. In our words, he was empty of himself. He was broken. David, in the Psalms, in Psalm 51, after he had committed uh, adultery, he said that the, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, will you not be displeased with me? That's, that's what David cried out. You see the emptying of himself. And he just said, oh God, blessed are the poor. So David understood what it was to be poor in spirit. Solomon, O Lord my God, you have made me servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. He felt useless. He was lost in his lostness. And any sense of self-adequacy was gone. And all he could depend on was God. And when God spoke to him, uh, what do you want? The only thing he wanted was wisdom. And God granted him wisdom. But God gave it to him in his broken place. Job I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in the dust and ashes. It's getting a bit heavy now, isn't it? But you see, you see the brokenness that he brought before God. There was a tremendous sense of brokenness. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, where the coals of God came out and touched his mouth, and God would send Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of, of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, there's something humbling about being in the presence of God. And we empty ourselves of ourselves. And we say, Lord, I'm no longer worthy. I'm not sure if I can do that. You've called me. But in, in, in the, the, the impoverished state that we're in, we don't elevate ourselves. It's like we're, we're brought low. And God says, son, my daughter, I'm ready to use you now. There's something powerful about Jesus' teaching. Blessed are the poor. John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know, even he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He must increase, I must in decrease. Sounds like a pop song, doesn't it? He must increase, I must decrease. 
there's for the band, there's a brand new song for you. They're all like, no thanks. So, um, yeah, John the Baptist, blessed are the poor. The tax collector, um, the centurion rather, who came before God and he said, God be merciful. He sent someone, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell this man went down to this house to be justified when it's just another way of saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. The man wanted to be healed, but he said, I'm not worthy even to come and receive it. But it's another way of saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I want you to know here this morning, saints, you might have come before God at times. You said, God, I'm empty. I'm low. I feel like the tide has gone out in my life, and it's never going to come back in. And I feel empty, and God, what can I do? But I want to tell you here today, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you feel at your weakest. Blessed are you when you feel at your lowest. Blessed are you when you feel empty yourself and you feel like only if God shows up, something can change you. Blessed are you because you're poor in spirit. Blessed are you when your only dependency is upon Him and nothing else. You can't even depend on your own giftings, your own talents, everything, every well has run dry. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that awesome? So it's important that we hear the voice of God. It's important that we understand Jesus is teaching that when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, he was preaching to you and I. He wasn't just preaching to his disciples on the boat or on the lake or on the side of a hill. Jesus was preaching to us here this morning. You see, the words of Jesus Christ are eternal. Jesus, when he spoke, the, the, the words have echoed and reverberated throughout the nations of the earth for the last 2,000 years. And that's why there's a billion plus people today believe in him. Because Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So, this morning, we can recognize with Peter, the apostle, when he was on the lake. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh, Lord, we can, we can identify with Peter. We can identify with Paul. When, when he said in Romans 7 and 18, I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is, in my flesh. There's nothing of me that is good. So, saints, it might be that you've come to an end of yourself and you've said, you know what? I cannot do this in my own strength. Even my gifts and talents are not sufficed to get me through in this. And I want to announce to you here this morning, that's called a place of brokenness. That's called a place of blessedness. Because often we think a place of blessedness is a cool car and a cool telly and a cool house and a cool whatever else you, you, is on your list. But um, these things, you know, they can be good. But at the end of the day, blessed are those. And this morning, we are blessed people. Are you broken here this morning? Oh, there's nobody broken. I'm preaching to myself again. So, so we're, we're broken before God. But that state of blessedness that Jesus preached about is for all of us. I want to tell you here this morning, you might be at that place today where you're just saying, God, I am broken. I am blessed. But you need to change the narrative from I am broken and poor to saying, God, I'm blessed. Because it's a blessed state to be in. It's a blessed state to be in when you run out of money. You have nothing left. And all you can say is, God, help. And you realize in that moment that all I, ha all I have is you, God. All I can depend on is you. 
then you realize why the heck have I, have I been worried the last wee while, worrying about money and worrying about these things where my dependency on you is more important than anything else. Isn't that wonderful? So our dependency on him is incredible. Our dependency on him is beautiful. And our dependency on him is blessed. Amen? I'm going to invite the band up now. We're going to play. And I want to pray with some of you here this morning. Some of you are in a blessed state. Hallelujah. And I believe that the Spirit of God is going to minister to people here this morning. He's going to touch people. He's going to release people. He's going to save people. He's going to change some people's circumstances. All for the glory of God. Let's all stand, saints. I want to just pray with everybody here this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for what you taught. Lord, Father, often we hear what others teach, but what you taught when you were here on earth. And we thank you for the power of these words. We thank you for the power of the scriptures. We thank you for the power of the Old Testament heroes, who all they could do was depend on you, O God, by faith. We thank you for the New Testament heroes who were able only to lean on you at times of desperation, O oh God. And we pray this morning, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would lean on you at this time. Lord, that we would see our blessedness. Lord, we wouldn't look around and see blessedness in a speedboat or anything else, but we'd see blessedness in who we are in you, O oh God that we would see our state of blessedness. As we're broken before you, we're blessed. As we feel impoverished at times before you, we are blessed. And I thank you, God, that we are your blessed people here this morning. So Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person here that you would pour out your spirit upon them afresh and your word would become relevant and real and you would raise them up for your glory, O oh God. In Jesus' name.